0: The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language.
1: Hello and welcome to the Other Wrestling Show's All Out 2021 Reaction Show. We're going to talk about all the big beats and uh, generally chat about what was a pretty sensational pay-per-view. Mike, what do you want to start with?
0: Uh, I feel like... (laughs) feel like we should start at the end Joel where they uh I don't know about you they got me they got me I did not expect a second debut in the main event segment but to recap Kenny Omega defeated Christian Cage for the AEW World Championship and post-match beatdown ensued and out comes Adam Cole baby uh we've been Hearing all week that Daniel Bryan, or Brian Danielson, was going to be the big surprise tonight. So it was pretty shocking to see Adam Cole come out. And then he's like, of course I'm joining my friends." Super kicked the shit out of Jungle Boy. And Adam Cole is now a member of the Elite. And then as the show is about to go off the air, what do we get, Joel? Bryan Danielson. <laughs>
1: They it's going to take me. some practice for me to not call him Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. <laughs> like, it's it's going to be really, really hard. Yeah. Thumbs um, up
0: to that awesome creative when they made his name in WWE all those years ago. Hmm, yeah. Brian Danielson. Be like calling you <laughs> Joel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, my last name isn't exactly a first name, but anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Also, thanks for putting my government name out there, you fuck. Oh, I, I, I'll bleep that out. Okay, I'll put a big beep. Yeah, make sure you do that. Um. So anyway, um, yeah, I as soon as he joined up with the elite, I knew someone else had to be coming out mm-hmm. because that would just have been kind of a downer way to end the show with you know the heels not only standing tall and beating down all the good (laughs) guys but adding another massive superstar to their ranks and so it's like okay as soon as he's embracing the bucks and they're you know doing their thing story time with adam cole baby which i'm so glad that's back (laughs) Uh, i i love that slogan um and um yeah, so when the flight of the Valkyries hit, and I, I like their kind of um, take on it, interesting, yeah, interesting choice with the theme. But got, a little, got a little beat at the end of it too, like that it's was like- um, pretty cool. <laughs> and I, I also like that you know he came out and got the the hero spot of just getting to dispense with all the heels. And, you know, hit a massive uh, running knee strike and just excited to see him. You know, he's yeah. so good.
0: Yeah, it was a big moment. And I think uh, I don't remember who on commentary said it, but when the face baby faces were lifting their arms in triumph, someone said the home of professional wrestling is all elite wrestling. And man, when you look at all the debuts they've had recently, some of the talent who have come over the fact that this might've been the best uh, North American wrestling pay-per-view in like 15 years. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. Um, It's not a lie. And seeing Brian Donaldson, seeing Adam Cole, obviously we'll get to CM Punk, um, Ruby Soho, like (laughs) it's a game changer, man. The last three, four weeks has just completely reset the table. Of North American professional wrestling. And just think of the dream matches we now have available to us, man. Um, Sean Spears was like Sean Spears versus Brian Danielson, Sean Spears versus Adam Cole, Sean Spears versus CM Punk. Yes, let's do this. Like, it goes beyond just Sean Spears, but like all the matchups here, and what I think what's really important is that. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus were part of this uh, situation because you could go the TNA route, which would be hey, you bring in all these ex WWEers and they're, they're fighting all ex WWEers. They're bringing in these established guys, these megastars, but they're making sure they're still incorporating their AEW originals or their young talent that they're trying to
1: build. So I thought that was a really important thing to take from this. So, I mean, my takeaway was it doesn't feel like a bunch of ex WWE guys. It feels like a bunch of ex Ring of Honor guys.
0: <laughs> Truly, from just, just, a while ago.
1: But yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it's you can you can say that all you want, but they were ex Ring of Honor guys when WWE got them, and nobody critiqued WWE for being oh, they're just bringing in a bunch of no, Ring no. of Honor guys. So, like. This is this is business. This is how these things work. When talent mm-hmm. is available, other companies in the same business will try to acquire said talent. I don't understand the obsession with, you know, oh, they're a homegrown star. Like, what does it matter? Like
0: it matters because we I, saw DNA I
1: collapse. Sure, sure. No, no, no. The, the ability to generate new talent matters. I'm not saying it doesn't, yeah. but obsessing over whether the stars in your company were created by your company, that to me doesn't matter. Like, there's a a very vibrant, thriving world of independent professional wrestling. Uh, And like, AEW didn't create Darby Allin, right? Like, he grew into a star within the company, but he was already a very good professional wrestler day one when he showed up. And the same thing can be said for like Sammy Guevara, MJF, the other talents that came in, like, are we referring to MJF as an ex MLW guy? Like, uh, that that, we, we've talked extensively on
0: this show about how we've seen those group of guys improve significantly since they joined AEW from their in-ring work, from their body type to their promo skills. Like, yeah, the, MJF's an ex-MLW guy, but he's taking it to the next level here in AEW. Same thing with Darby Allin. Same thing with Jungle Boy. I think it's right. more along the lines of people just don't want to see uh, the, TNA's a, a warning, you know, because TNA was super hot back in like 05 to 08. And
1: then they gave Hulk Hogan the book <laughs> like, and, and well, things went badly. <laughs> And I think that's what I was going to say is it, it's less to me about, you know, who, who's getting the spotlight, right? Is it your, your homegrown talent or the big names that you've brought in? And it's more about the booking. Are you giving us stuff that we want to see? And then in terms of sustainability, are you building up names that can take over when inevitably in a few years CM Punk is done? Yeah. forty-year-old When CM Ryan Punk. Danielson is done, yeah. Adam Cole is young. Like he's in his early 30s, I believe. I so, believe so. Yeah. So he could go for another 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, but
0: I, I guess it's more like yeah, just we want to make make sure that they're still focusing on that, developing that pipeline. Um, because you know, when those guys are gone, did you do you have someone to replace them, or are you searching outside the company for an older, bigger name? You know,
1: I just I get frustrated with the the narrative around the oh, you're just bringing in ex WWE talent, because like if you look at anything else, right, like if an actor is terrible in a certain movie and <laughs> they get hired to work in another movie with a different director and they deliver a fantastic performance, like we're not talking about this other movie they did that sucked. We're talking about the movie they're in now. That's awesome. Like
0: yeah, I I didn't I don't think I was that's my concern. I don't think it was. Sure. Ooh, look, the WWE numbers are too big. I just want to make sure that these guys they've built that we've seen grow. Like, you know, I mentioned Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Darby Allen was in CM Punk's debut match, and that I think that's a big deal for not just Darby Allen, but for the kind of AEW developmental system. Like mm-hmm. the fact that you trusted someone who's also very young. He's only what twenty eight, twenty seven in that big moment with a veteran like that, I think it says something. So I'm, I'm all for this and I love the fact that we're going to get these pairings and you know, all the people that CM Punk has said he wanted to face. It's funny, Daniel Bryan in the post media scrum last night, Brian Danielson, sorry. He said, CM Punk says he wants to come here to help the young guys. I want to knock their heads in. (laughs) 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 So Danielson's here to fight and it's, it's, it's awesome. So um, I, it's just, it's hard to put into words here, Joel, just how, big last night felt how big CM Punk's yeah. debut felt um CM Punk in the post media scrum compared it to this is bigger than when Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash and um I'm missing one Scott Hall Scott Hall uh formed the nwo and I have I don't think that's an exaggeration you basically got the three biggest male free agents in wrestling in 3 weeks like it's and who's the fourth Brock Lesnar. Cause he's always a free agent and he basically <laughs> bends WWE over a barrel whenever he wants. Like they got, they got three of the biggest names. Bray Wyatt is also rumored to be in the down the line too. So they're just, they're adding to the, the, the cupboard here. And it's, it's really exciting.
1: So I, I do have a couple of concerns now that I've gone off on my tirade about, mm-hmm. you know, the whole situation, which is less about like, where the people come from, and just roster bloat in general, Well, yeah, because there's a ton of talent. And the level of names that they have, there I, I do believe there is such a thing as having too many top guys. Mm-hmm. Like Malachi Black just debuted within the company very recently, and he's a huge deal. He's a big name, Andrade just debuted with this company very recently. He's a huge name. He's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Neither of those guys were on this pay-per-view.
0: Well, one wasn't really like one was intended to be on the pay-per-view if we believe what they say about allegedly the allegedly if we believe that wrestling Um, but I, I they also gave Mount Kai Black a pretty big spotlight there with the promo in between the QT Marshall and the main event. He also had the rampage match he had. Uh, he's going to be facing Dustin this week. I think as long as they they because they've proven to us that they do a, a pretty good job of handling non-title um, picture feuds in the men's division. Mm-hmm. We've had some really good non-title matches and stories over the last two years. Um, it definitely makes it more challenging when you have all these guys that you're thrusting to the top. Um, but it just it. It's one of those things where we don't have to see everyone every week. That's what we kind of loved about NXT originally. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen we haven't seen Cody in a month. We haven't seen Hangman Page in a month. And while I love both of those guys, like it hasn't been a detriment right now.
1: And right. I think- and so, so I, I think the, the follow-up that I have is I would like them to take the David Shoemaker idea that he's been pitching for years and years and years and years. And years and have the rotating off-season. Like, yeah,
0: even if they don't define it like that, they're kind of doing that. Like, they take guys off of TV for a while um, when it makes sense, and then they plop them right back in when the story fits. So, like, it would make sense that Cody would be back soon since the Nightmare family's hanging by a thread. Same thing with Adam Page. Like, it seems like there's a good opportunity at some point to group him in with the baby faces that were standing tall at the end of the show. So... Um, You know, I I think you're going to see these people kind of come in and out, in and out. And, you know, do we think CM Punk's going to be on every single dynamite? I mean, he has been since he's debuted, but the reasons for that are obvious. Um, So I think, yeah, I think we'll just kind of have to see how they handle this. But if you look at some of the mid like non title matches tonight, like they were really good and they some of them were built rather quickly like Eddie Kingston mirror was one of my favorite matches on the card. And that story only started two and a half, three weeks ago. Um, you know, so I, 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 it's, it's, I think we're all suffering from WWE booking PTSD. Like we're like, I'm putting faith in Tony Khan and what they've done to, to make this work because nothing so far has made me say it can't.
1: I I agree. Uh, I I think, my one caveat to that is what has happened so far with the stop and start of the women's division gives me pause. And with all of this new talent coming in and of the last 10 people to, to debut with the company, one of them is a woman.
0: Yeah. I mean, the women's division we haven't seen the influx of talent in the women's division. They're also, they're not giving the women's division the time that we, and I'm
1: I'm not saying that we need like when a new talent comes in, they demand time, right? You have to Mm -hmm. give them time. Otherwise they kind of falter a little bit. So I'm not saying that, you know, we need more women to be signed to the company. I think there's a ton of talent there right now. We'll talk about the women's Mm -hmm. battle Royal a little bit later on. That was fantastic. And there's a ton of talent in this women's division. But they're not going to get time on Dynamite and they're not going to get time on Rampage if all of that time is going towards the the men who have been signed, who are coming in. And that, I think, is where my concern is. And well, Tony Khan has not done a great job with the book when it comes to the women's division.
0: Well, every Rampage so far has had a women's match and a segment. Uh you know what when we talk about that women's battle royal we can talk about all the different feuds that were going on within that match itself um so we'll we'll have to see the women's division is yeah I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt on the women's division I was mainly referring to mm-hmm. the influx of talent on the men's yeah. side cuz that's where and we're I'm seeing and I'm not worried the about the men's
1: side at all they're going to yeah. be fine yeah
0: all right joe why don't we move on cuz we spent we spent 15 minutes on the the game changing new world uh let's just briefly touch on the actual main event for a second um this was a a fantastic match. The the work here between Christian cage and Kenny Omega, I thought was really good. Um, and just kind of the, it just, I was wondering how many pay-per-views did Christian main event in WWE? Like (laughs) like, That's like one of the things that came through my head. I'm like, I, I don't think he, maybe when they did like TLC but I don't think any of those were ever the main event. Um, so it just kind of was like, wow. Um, and it was cool just seeing him in that spot in that moment. I thought he was incredible. Um, these two work really well together. I think the styles really complement each other, or the fact that Kenny can work any style, and it just working with a grizzled pro like this. Um that table spot where Christian got all bloodied up was pretty pretty gnarly. And uh su- I wanted to see the super kill switch. I, I'm <laughs> it's, I'm glad we got the super uh, one-winged angel because that looked awesome, and it literally had my old roommate screaming at the show we were at last night because she was scared. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing else to say about this match. I thought it was, I thought it was incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's what you would expect, and we we saw them have a very different match for the Impact Championship, mm-hmm. and so I like that they were able to give this a different flavor and. So fresh. You know, that match was characterized by the interference and Christian being able to use his wily veteran status to turn that interference into his favor. This match was a much more traditional singles match, what we've come to expect from the main event mm-hmm. of an AEW pay-per-view. So yeah. uh, good, good job by both of them. I do feel like it's overshadowed
0: <laughs> by... Yeah
1: the next match we're going to talk about, uh, which is CM Punk making his in-ring return and reminding everybody who the fuck he is. <laughs>
0: that, this match was incredible, man. You you couldn't tell that he hasn't wrestled in seven years. A, a, a couple of things stood out to me. One, he looks like he's in incredible shape. Like, I don't remember him looking that good in his WWE runs. Like, he just looks like like he's been put in a ton of work to CM pants, dude, team pants. <laughs> <laughs> we are pro pants on this, on this. We podcast. are always pro pants, but Joel, what, what were your thoughts on this? Cause I, it, it really was a masterclass. Like I can't believe we got this match after seven years.
1: So, I mean, this is the best match I've ever seen from CM punk. And I say that as someone who missed most of his run in the other mm-hmm. wrestling company. So, I mean, for me, like, I'm sold on CM Punk in 2021. I already knew from the promos that he's been doing that he could do it on the mic. But the, the subtlety and the technical wrestling, like, I, I want to see Jonathan Gresham walk through the Forbidden Door, <laughs> and I want to see Jonathan Gresham and CM Punk. That's the match I want now. After seeing mm. the technical spots in the early portion of this match, uh, like I think we could see a six or seven star match from Punk and Gresham because they could do pure wrestling in AEW and they could do it, you know, probably as well as or better than anyone else. I mean, I think Jonathan Gresham is the best in the world. At Pure Wrestling. So <laughs> put him in there with CM Punk and like, let's see that. That would be amazing.
0: Well, he has a he has a long like a long list of dudes in AEW that he wants to go through too. <laughs> I didn't expect for the majority of the segment to be about Jonathan Gresham. <laughs> that that was out of that was out of uh, left field there, dude. Hey, he's <laughs> doing amazing work in Ring of Honor right now. No, I know. I just like, <laughs> um, but that was yeah, really I,
1: my takeaway. Like that was pure wrestling. That was what we saw. Like the the hammerlock spot, all mm-hmm. of that was just amazing, and that's. You know, Punk just being a ring general and the facial expressions, the frustration yeah. as he tried thing after thing and nothing was working until he finally managed to get into the snapmare position and, yeah. and, and break my, the hold.
0: One of my favorite spots was when he he dodged the uh, the coffin drop by mm-hmm. sitting up. The timing on that has to be perfect or you're getting dinged in the face yeah (laughs) (laughs) obliterated (laughs) obliterated and just his smirk and kind of (laughs) like no no way uh i just that was that cm punk because he has this this swagger and this cockiness that is warranted (laughs) like um the the nickname best in the world was not you know just thrown at him like he legit always had that claim um yeah i this this was great He, he he still has it the Chicago crowd was hot. Um, I think the placement on the card was perfect. Um, you know, they had a few, few matches and then they had their big tag, the title changes and they had a couple come down matches and they had this, like, I think, it, I think it was a good placement on the card. Um, there's so many people I want to see CM Punk work with in AEW also out of AEW. <laughs> um, but I, I just think this is going to work. and. Um, the post-match stuff, shaking his hand, shaking Sting's hand. That was just cool from, like, a fan of wrestling standpoint. I was really glad that we got that. And what I want to see next, Joel, I want to see Sting, Darby Allin, and CM Punk take on 2.0 and Danny Garcia on a six-man tag. I want to see that soon. Like, give me that. Give me all of that. <laughs> also, give me Brian Danielson and Danny Garcia. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I stand for that. So, great stuff here. Um, like like the ring gear everything like that fuck it's awesome having cm punk back you want to move on to our next main topic
1: yeah so many debuts so many big things to talk about uh and and next up, we're going to talk about the women's battle royal and specifically the joker uh the joker won the match for the first time since the first casino battle royal it was, it was Hangman Page who won the very first one and now Ruby Soho in her debut in AEW. And I love the way this was done. Yeah, uh, the, the entire match was great. Really cool spots, really good stuff. There were a couple things I was disappointed by. I thought Kira Hogan got fridged. Yeah, uh, dude, and I, I
0: don't know what's going I, on with her.
1: <laughs> it, it boggles my mind because she is so good and so talented.
0: She uh, I thought Big her, Swole could have been dues. in the match a
1: bit longer. Um mm-hmm. uh, i like the swole and diamante stuff uh, i i'd yeah. like to see more of that uh there are two talents i would love to see on dynamite and rampage a lot more uh but when it got down to the final three and um you know after nyla rose eliminated jade cargill dealing with the biggest problem in the match yeah uh, because she was a problem out there like uh-huh. in a kayfabe way i'm not like yep. knocking her work yeah um uh, but after that and it got down to nyla rose thunder rosa and ruby soho and uh nyla rose got cleared out and then they spent basically the rest of the match on the apron yeah teasing the shit out of everybody watching with like what's gonna do it what's gonna be the the thing that that ends this match and dangling feet almost touching the floor Really, really good work and really creative. I don't remember seeing a a, a battle royal where it got down to two people and they pretty much immediately got on the apron and then spent an extended period of time with neither person getting back in the ring. Really, really love this. Of course, Ruby Soho hit that uh Enziguri, ended the match, and uh she's great. So, so excited, and she seemed like on the verge of tears the entire time. Yeah. you know being there being treated like a big deal which she is yep and uh, couldn't be happier to have her in this division
0: is uh is Ruby Soho the biggest uh like the biggest women signing since AEW
1: basically started I mean Thunder, Thunder Rosa, Rosa maybe uh, but like, it's it's to me it's kind of between those two uh, and Thunder Rosa I mean I yeah, I'd seen good, her good before show her in well, Ring of yeah. Honor I'd seen her in NWA but I don't think she was as well known. Uh, definitely, I think the biggest name that they've signed so far is is Ruby Soho because she had that, you know, WWE exposure mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, her independent run before that, you know, she was a Shimmer champion. Yeah. Uh, she's done so many things in the business and is going to bring all of that talent experience. She's also, like, really, really well-regarded as a locker room presence. And I think mm-hmm. she's someone who's going to just be a benefit to the whole division.
0: Yeah, for sure. She, I, I always kind of like use my old roommate as kind of like, Hey, what do you think of this wrestler? Cause she kind of watches it from a relatively newbie wrestling fan. So she was at the, the showing with me at the AMC last night and she just was like, Ruby Soho is so cool. Her look, her music, everything about her makes sense. Like it just works. And I think you know, for someone who hasn't seen her before, hasn't seen her WWE experience, doesn't know about her previous stops, like to get that reaction, I think is really big and important. Kind of shows like what she can bring to this division. So yep, Joel, you pretty much said everything uh, about this match also, um so Joel, we you know, we talked about Ruby Soho. why don't we talk about the women's title match that took place a little earlier in the show?? Um, this is probably what top two women's match in AEW history?
1: I think so. I think um, um what what's fun about this is that like it doesn't matter which of of the th- in my opinion, three candidates you choose uh for best women's match in AEW history, Britt Baker is in all of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thunder versus Thunder Rosa versus Statlander and versus Shida? Shida. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's 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 uncanny. Like she's, she is absolutely a star. Um, But I want to talk about Chris Statlander because mm-hmm. she impressed the heck out of me in this match. Yeah. We saw her pull out stuff that we haven't seen from her before. And uh, she also, I'm going to take it back a little bit and talk about rampage for just a second. Did you watch? Oh my God. Yeah. The, the match, match that she had with <laughs> rebel and Jamie Hader that spot where she had both of them up one on her Mm -hmm. shoulders and one in a kind of a power slam position. Like, yeah, that was crazy impressive. And she held them there for a hot couple seconds. And, uh, she is such a powerful human being and, uh, really, really impressed. She looked great in this match. This is the best match that she has had in AEW. And, uh, yeah, it's nice just, seeing
0: her at full strength, healthy. Because we saw yeah. her, you know, before her injury, she had that. You know, she was sick against Nyla Rose, and that match felt a little off. Then she hurt her knee. Um, she had that one moment when you're talking about her strength, Joel, where she was on the ground. She had Britt Baker, like she stood up with Britt Baker, and then like got her up into the. Uh, like electric chair position held her and then slammed her down. Yeah, like to go from the ground all the way to that in like thirty seconds
1: is. It's clear she's impressive. done a ton of lower body and core, which makes sense given like rehab from uh, a, a leg injury like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the the strength was on display. Uh, really, really good work from her in this match. I love her new submission hold. Yeah, like that looks devastating mm-hmm. just so incredibly uncomfortable and uh... yeah
0: my, my lower back started hurting again <laughs> from all the submission moves to my like oh i need to go to the chiropractor after this um yeah just really incredible stuff statlander i think yeah really stepped up her game and grip baker has been on an incredible run uh the place went nuts for the pittsburgh was it sunrise yeah sunset pittsburgh, sunrise
1: pittsburgh sunset
0: sunset yeah and it looked great, man. Like she, like when she got up there and I realized what she was doing, like, Oh man, just another excellent troll work here. You know, going back to that biggest free agent signing on Wednesday. Um, well,
1: and it's, it's kind of funny. Like <laughs> there's been this trend going around with pro wrestling couples where they've been doing each other's finishing moves. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you saw that Adam Cole put somebody in the lock jaw Uh, in one of his last matches in the other wrestling company um i think uh there were a couple of other instances of um women using their boyfriends or husbands finishers and vice versa and i love it i think it's fantastic it's such a cool way to kind of you know point to your partner and be like hey look at this cool thing that they do um so yeah loved seeing Britt baker hit that and uh Man, this match was brutal, too. There's some really hard shots that uh, stomp where Britt launched off the stairs. Oh, yeah. Like that. That looked ugly in the best way possible. (laughs) Um, I really like the uh, one leg moonsault off the apron. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I know Statlanders whipped that out before, but it's just always impressive.
0: Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah.
1: yeah, I could go on. I loved this <laughs> match.
0: I think I think this this run that Britt Baker on is just kind of you know, she was one of the first signings of AEW. Like they ro- they the first. put her She was yeah, the first they, woman. They put her out there at the opening co- press conference and it kind of started slow. Like she kind of had some starts and stops, but pretty much the last what year ever since the Tooth and Nails match with uh Big Swole things have just gotten to a new level. So The women's division is we have our issues with how they book it, but man, they have a lot of
1: talent, (laughs) have a lot of talent. And let's not forget that entire feud with swole was done through backstage segments and vignettes because Britt was injured that whole time. Yeah. She was recovering from being out. She was out for like what? Seven months, eight months. Long Uh, time. I don't think it was
0: that long. I think it was like April to September, like and that's, I think that's why they did the tooth and nails match. Cause it was back, you know, kind of a cinematic match where they could minimize like some of the injury risk. So, but yeah, that whole story was carried through. Um, basically her doing promos. It reminded me of when Bray Wyatt carried the whole um, like John Cena story by himself or was it the undertaker? One of the two, we basically carried it by himself for like a month. Um, but yeah, it, it's great. I love Britt Baker. Um, I'm happy that her uh her less popular significant other is in the company now. We'll have to see what <laughs> he can do. Um and uh yeah, uh, let's move on Joel. I think we have one last major topic and that was the AEW Tag Team Titles cage match. Holy shit. <laughs> like this was brutal. Um I go I think back to their ladder match at All Out 2019 and Joel, we didn't quite get a uh, a destroyer off the top of the cage, but we got a destroyer off the turnbuckle, which is still pretty damn impressive. Um, yeah,
1: and that looked absolutely brutal. <laughs> like, I, I Matt must have a very strong neck because yeah, he's the not there, he It's not his weakness. out of that. Like that was crazy. Uh, I got everything I wanted from this match because what I wanted was to see Ray Phoenix go nuts and yeah. bounce off the cage all the time. And he did that. There, there were so many cool spots. Real showcase uh, for him. Yeah. We got one of my favorite things in pro wrestling, which is one tag partner trying to take the hit for the other tag oh, partner. Sliding I teared in up, man. To, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's emotional stuff. Uh, so I love that. And also, that.
0: the Air Force Ones with the thumbtacks on the bottom of it. Also, Joel, those are the Travis Scott Air Force Ones, those are on the secondary market, go for like two and a half, three thousand dollars. I've tried, I tried to get it on the drop. Those are expensive freaking shoes, and the fact that they use one with all those thumbtacks and those shots, man, were nuts. And one thing that impresses me about the like latter half of this match is uh, Pentagon and Phoenix. They wrestled it with their masks all fucked up, like, like. Just imagine, not to like, mention,
1: Penta's bleeding all over yeah. the place. One of his eyes was completely filled up with blood. Yeah, like that's not <laughs> supposed to happen.
0: Yeah. So the fact that they were able to do the most of the match in that condition, like people were like, oh, what's the big deal about the mask being ripped? Like, dude, it's just it's not right. Like everything, like you practice this stuff numerous times so you don't die. I'm assuming any variable that gets added can throw you off even a little bit. And if you get thrown off a little bit, when you're jumping off the top of the cage, you could die.
1: (laughs) I would think wrestling in a mask is more difficult to begin with just because it's going to affect your, your field of vision. And then if you get used to what that field of vision is with a mask on, and then that mask is, is messed up and it's sticking out at a weird angle and you know, yeah, that's going to throw you off. And the majority of this match, it felt like, took place after that. I was right in yeah. the middle when they did the the mask tearing spot. Uh, but this was this was great. This was the indie riffic, tons of false finishes, mm-hmm. tons of crazy spots. Exactly what you expect from these two teams. And they crushed it. I absolutely love this match. And I'm thrilled that we got a title change, even though it yeah. meant that I lost the picks because that was the only one that we disagreed on. Champion. Um, it's fine it's fine
0: i i i thought the match was over when uh after the the couple shoe spots like i literally like it felt like wow they're just gonna stomp them here and it's over and then when phoenix kicked out i'm i marked out man like i legit like was like screaming in this movie theater with people like it was awesome so yep i'm glad there's a title change uh I, i don't think there's a team more deserving than the lucha brothers and with what happened in the main event it kind of felt like the Young Bucks are going to be out of the title picture for a bit, maybe into a story with the baby faces at the end of the show. So if this can open up a few more teams to get title shots with the Lucha Brothers here, I'm thinking FTR, Santana and Ortiz, 2.0. Imagine the matches we could get with uh, Lucha Bros. champions while the Young Bucks are off doing something else.
1: I think that's one of the exciting things about the tag team division is that every time the titles change hands the board resets because this company has so many amazing tag teams and i'm excited for the run that the lucha brothers can go on here with so many challengers to step up and uh i i really hope that next in line in terms of actually winning and and getting those belts is proud and powerful yeah like they deserve it they have been having incredible matches as well. And uh, I want to see that feud. I don't want to see it now. Like yeah. maybe, maybe in like January, we can see that feud and they can have that match at revolution. Uh, but it's really, really exciting. Lots yeah. of great teams for them to face off with.
0: Yeah. And Joel, how about we do a very, very quick lighting round here, kind of touch on some of the other matches on the card. Here's a drop. The first thing I want to talk about, Joel, isn't actually a match, but the post match of John Moxley confronting, getting confronted by Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> like, oh my god! The this the theater I was in popped huge for this, and then just their kind of showdown. Everything they're wrestling this Wednesday. Oh, love the Forbidden Door
1: <laughs> when his music hit and the crowd reacted. I was really excited. But I was wondering, like, do are they popping just because it's it's somebody new or are they popping because they know who this is? No, and I think they know. when when his music hit the spot that has like the crowd involvement, and I, I don't know the words because they're in Japanese, and the crowd did their part and sang along, I got chills. Yeah. Because like Suzuki is a bad, bad man. And it was one of the names that I threw out there in our uh-huh. our preview show of like people that I would want to see, and I, I got to give it up to Kojima. I thought this match was really fun. Yeah, it was uh, good, but yeah, Suzuki is the big takeaway <laughs> here, and uh, I'm concerned. I'm concerned for Renee that uh, she's gonna be a single mother because <laughs> like it, it, Suzuki is terrifying, truly terrifying. I I hope we literally just get
0: week after week, a new NJPW wrestler coming out. Like this is our, like our next six weeks we get Ishii, we get like Tanahashi. like just keep them coming. Cause I can watch Moxley fight these NJPW guys every day of the week. Joel, what do you got for me?
1: Oh, uh, well, no, we'll, we'll move on. You're right. We should move on. Um. (laughs) You can say, you can say, you can say it. So I, I think the G1 is going on right now. So mm. one of the reasons why Suzuki is here is because he's not in the G1. And so he's on this kind of American tour going to all these different promotions. Uh, and, and that's why he was, he was already in the U S for makes, makes all these sense. dates yep. that he's doing. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people are going to get the shit beaten out of them uh, <laughs> and then dropped <laughs> on their heads.
0: Love it. I love it so much. He's scary as hell. What do you got for me? Joel?
1: Indeed. Uh, I want to talk about one of my favorite matches from this card, which was Eddie Kingston and Miro. Yeah. Uh, And Miro, he's got it down. Working the style of a monster, but also registering pain and showing vulnerability. Because Mm -hmm. when you're just a straight up monster that crushes everybody, like Umaga style and... You know, nobody ever comes close to damaging you. And then you finally get beaten and the mystique is lost. What Miro is doing is showing that he does have weaknesses. You can do damage to him. You can have a competitive match with him. But at the end of the day, he's going to outlast you. And Mm -hmm. it allows him to maintain that mystique. Even when he takes a loss eventually and he drops that title, he's still going to be scary. He's still going to be that monster. And he's going to be able to retain that mystique that is so, so hard to do. The monster is hard to book. Look at Lance Archer, right? Yeah. Like he is the the monster and just crushes everybody until he runs into a real opponent. And then he loses. And as a result, we don't really care that much about his matches. So yeah. I think Miro is walking that fine line very, very well. And I loved this match. Great work from both guys.
0: Yeah. I, I feel a lot better of Miro without the title going forward than, you know, some other wrestlers who could be in that spot. Um, yeah. This was a hoss fight. This was really fun. Just really both guys just laying shots into each other. Miro's chest looked like it was about to explode by the end of the match. Um, and yeah, I, this could be just a one-off. I do think they they have options if they want to run this back in another way. Some, you know, based off of the ending of the match, you know, with the the ball kick. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I love this. Um, I really like how they treat the TNT title. Um, it's a big deal, and it's continued to be a big deal regardless of who holds it. Um, and yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Joel, I'm going to move on here. Uh, man, they were really messing with us tonight. MJF, Chris Jericho where it appeared Jericho lost the bout despite having his foot up on the, the ropes. Um, a ref ref was there because they were trying to separate Wardlow and Hager, which makes the second ref being rig side makes, made it make a lot of sense. They restarted the match and Jericho won. Uh, Joel, we were both wrong here. I feel like I'm okay with it. Um, but this match was really good. It, it was a little slower. Um, it, kind of came to as the match went on and just really thing that stood out to me was mjf selling the hell out of his back injury throughout the match like he nailed that like sit down power bomb off the top rope and you wouldn't have known because he was the one who looked to be in the most pain and you just knew like okay as soon as he's able to lock in you know the uh the walls of jericho he was going to struggle. So really good work here because they were focusing on Jericho's elbow, focusing on MJ's back. I liked it. It was fun.
1: I only have one thing to say, which is we weren't wrong. Paul Turner was wrong. (laughs) The referee's decision is final. We got screwed. MJF was robbed. (laughs) Aubrey should be so mad. And uh, I hope that Paul Turner gets his comeuppance.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, Hey man, this saves us from Jericho full time on commentary.
1: He's <laughs> so been better. He's been better he been
0: better. He was much better on Friday. It's it's when like he st- he had something on Friday where he's like was like kind of like having a conversation with Taz about something going on in the ring, and it just worked. Like he wasn't screaming. He's like, yeah, right. You th- that's right, Taz. Like that's the move, right? Taz. Like and it just it worked. So as long as he's not screaming, and he's actually kind of using his experience to talk about the match, I'm happy with it. He
1: still sometimes is calling moves, which he shouldn't do because despite being in the industry for 30 years, he he still doesn't know what things are called. Um, and (laughs) like leave that to Excalibur for as long as he's on the broadcast. And when Excalibur is not on the broadcast, Taz should be doing that because Taz knows the names of fricking everything.
0: Yeah. I I think Taz is the one, uh, Jericho should try to emulate because Taz does a really good job of separating his character from when he's on commentary. The only time like Taz is like leanings of his, you know, healness comes out is when he's commentating on something related to team Taz. But if it's not a team Taz match, Taz is very good about just kind of playing it right down the middle and and calling the match well. So that that's who I think Jericho should try to emulate.
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I don't think I actually have anything else that I, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about because there was just a ton that happened on this show, but I think I'm good. I think we've hit the highlights and, uh, I am satisfied. Do you have anything else?
0: Yeah, I'm just running through the card here. I think the only thing we didn't talk about really was, uh, team Marshall, um, just getting absolutely rocked by Paul white. Uh, perfect, perfect cool down match leading into the main event. And that's that, that's all we need to know about that match. So, all right, guys. Thanks for joining us. You can follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show, Twitter at OWS underscore pod, and follow Joel at The Other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts, we're there. Uh, please give us a like and subscribe. And you can email us at the Other Wrestling Show at gmail.com. And uh, Joel, anything to say before we enjoy the rest of our Labor Day weekend? Join the dark order. Join the
1: dark order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.